Hello, and welcome to Let's Drone Out, the best, well, the only UK FPV podcast sponsored by the lovely people from our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Let's Drone Out. In particular, we'd like to thank these guys. Art Faulkner. Mikey Dread. Wacky Wes. David Powell. <laughs> thank you, guys. You're the best. We can edit our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Let's Drone Out. Uh, unbelievably, we are starting on time. Missing a presenter, but hopefully by the time I've done all the introductions, Andy RC, who's expected, will have turned up. Now, for those of you that are eagle-eyed, you'll have spotted that I'm not your usual presenter. I'm Lee, Painless360. Unfortunately, Jack can't make it tonight, and he's asked me to be a guest host, which is great because I've got a couple of things that I want to talk to all these guys about anyway, and I might as well do it on the show, and then we can get some talk around it. So first of all, let me introduce everybody on the podcast who was here on time. First of all, we've got Andrew slash Frank. Good evening. We have NJ Tech. Hello, people. <laughs> Fantastic. We have Curry Kitten. Hello. And the impressible Tony Star. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, ça va. And hopefully we'll have Andy RC. So uh, w- this is all new to me. I haven't used this system on LDO. Last time I was on LDO, we had a whole different streaming gig. So this whole thing where all the screens are on together is a bit overwhelming for me. So bear with me. I'm very old. <laughs> But we can see all of your comments and things going down the right-hand side. So if we talk about something that you're interested in uh, and you want to know more about that or you have a particular question, do pop a comment and we'll try and keep up with that stuff as we go through and kind of cover it as we talk. Now, before we get into the cut and thrust of everything, uh, there is some legal stuff that we have to do so that (laughs) nobody gets sued. So, um, Curry, could you do the honours? Uh, I will do, although we're probably on safe ground because Andy's not here yet. (laughs) Any views expressed by any guest in this show are personal and may not affect the views or the hosts of any participant of this show. Which is going along the bottom but gets truncated off the end for some reason. Yeah, so I slightly edited it. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) May not reflect the views of others. That's that's the uh, the short version, yeah. Yeah, so if anyone says anything controversial, um, it's, it's not the show's fault, basically. So, so, fa- so thank you for doing that, Kerry. That was awesome. So the, the, the reason that I was kind of excited when Jack talked to me about um, helming the show was I'd actually spent the last couple of weeks going through my YouTube channel and finding all kinds of things in there from the last decade, all to do with the hobby. Um, <laughs> sorry about the unsubscribe. <laughs> Don't unsubscribe. It'll be back to normal next week. Um, the, and looking back, there was an awful lot of stuff that I was uh, finding there. So things about multi-wee, the early days of the hobby. 
And looking through the videos, I mean, something like 13, 1400 videos on the channel now, it was really fascinating to watch how far we'd come. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with all you guys is what was your first experience of the hobby? Because I know what mine is, and I can talk about it in all the rounds, but we've seen such a fantastic explosion in technology. How did you guys get into all this UAV drone multi-rotor stuff? Frank, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll just add Andy to the stream as well. Hello, Andy RC. Hello. I was here. I've been here ages waiting for you to accept me. I've been waiting backstage, apparently. But hello. Uh, I tried uh, using that excuse as well, and yeah. they didn't buy it. <laughs> I have. I've, been, I've been tired five minutes, anyways. Good to see right. you. Fantastic. Well, great to see you, Andy. Thank you. So, so Frank, go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, for on the FP, like the on the on the RC side. I'd done that for ages and ages and ages and ages, like small child kind of thing. First with like cars and then uh, getting into the planes and then deciding planes crash and fall apart and they're far too expensive uh, and difficult to fix for someone so small. So uh, went ended up going into kites because I could afford kites and they're a lot cheaper to duct tape together. Um, and then it was with the uh the fpvleague.co.uk which is a uh, tom greer's uh, kind of organization um trying to get some races together that was the first event i'd seen um and i saw so so when was that andy was it what what, what, what 2015 year, i think it must have been okay um, so you so were using proper flight controllers yeah we had proper flight controllers uh the, I mean, well, actually, I'd, I'd had FPV on a, on a car back in like 2005, but that was with like a, a 27 megahertz car um, with a 2.4 gigahertz security camera. Like the thing was huge that did that, and it ran off like a PP3 nine volt battery, and then went back to a um like a, a vrx that you had to physically tune like there was a knob on it that you tuned to the right frequency <laughs> and that, that had like a uh you know a composite cable that plugged into the, my family telly at the time and, and that was how i how i had my first fpv experience was driving that around the house and downstairs and things um and that, that was confirmed um but then actual FPV, something that flies all together, was a uh, yeah, FPV League event in East Grinstead at Radio C, back when Radio C was a thing. And um, yeah, I was, as yeah, from the very off, I started as a meant to go on and was there, handed a high vis and told to marshal some races. And this was one of the races where I mean, saying racing is a bit of a strong term. It was, it was whoever can get round, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a challenge. Who can complete lap. a lap? <laughs> and if they did, then there was just a cheer from throughout oh, the God, entire yeah, forest. It was, a, it was right. cheering, yeah. Um, it was, I think one person had brought the first set of Dow props and you know, the, the indestructible props. 
because yeah. before that it was all the kind of fixed wing stuff that as soon as it saw a leaf it would just explode, explode. into pieces yeah um there was dominic clifton there with his uh he was trying some auto-tune code um, so this is clean flight days this yeah. was still well it must have been very early clean flight days yeah, right. yeah. um and but yeah he was trying this auto-tune and it was just terrifying everyone because it it was yeah just like going mad and off into the corner and everything and yeah auto tunes just tended to yeah. destroy everything yeah. so 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 your so 2015 was kind of your earliest yeah. it was kind of early clean flight a flight controller and people were still excited about the if you could complete one lap without the thing exploding into a million pieces yeah exactly cool. and okay. i remember that that micro was defined because these were all mini quads because they were you know not 400 500 mil big beasts and then there was a micro quad that was at you know 150 mil or something like um i think it was the owl fpv or something like that that it was called but yeah that that was the micro when everyone was looking at it like wow so small i remember that much so who can who can beat 2015 for their first multi-rotor experience probably me i think Oh, NJ or Curry, go on, NJ. Because thing is, you came into the whole multi-rotor thing via the, like me, via helicopters, didn't you? Yeah. So I was obsessed. I, I still am obsessed with rotary. Um, I, I was from a very early age. So I actually started flying helis. Around, I think I must have been around twelve, something like that. Um, and it wasn't until uh, a friend, a buddy of mine, who's a, a producer. Uh, film producer said to me, "Have you ever stuck a? Uh, I've got a couple of really nice cameras. Should we, should we hang a camera under under that thing?" Uh, and he produced his very expensive DSLR, which made me incredibly nervous. But we rigged something up and got it underneath the helicopter and flew it. And of course, even though this was a beautifully tuned, very smooth running helicopter, it still just shook the place to pieces. So I was looking at alternate ways to 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 hang a camera or to lift a camera. And then I see I saw that multi rotors were kind of gaining some traction, and I guess the time I got into it was um, well, I was one of the original backers of the of the CC3Ds. I've actually still got my one of the first run of the of batch one that came out of the uh, the CC3D, and then obviously that's a flight controller you're very familiar with. Uh, I know you did a, an awful lot of work on uh, tutorials for that oh, back, in, but, back in the day back in the day but but that was that was a lot of pushing sliders around that did very little to the flight characteristics at either end <laughs> um but but yeah so i guess it, it was mainly kind of the entry point was there at the time it was m me um boris b and a guy called Juz 70 for anyone who remembers yeah. who that was and Juz was the guy who kind of suddenly just went look what i can do if you stick a camera on the front of this thing and just completely blew my mind and that's what really got me focused on the fpv side of things and wanting to to well then i just fell in love with that and and sort of went from there so 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 what what, what about what time is this then nj what, what year roughly i'm trying to think uh 2013 maybe it 13, was pretty, yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah, it's around that time. It was, it was, yeah, I'd have to check the wiki, I think, on uh, 
CC3D and see when that first that first run of uh, boards was yeah. made. But that that was where I initially got into it and and got bitten by the bug. And I remember the other thing that really stands out in my head was at the time because my friend was saying, you know, once we actually got a multi rotor together although it wasn't incredibly stable, it was still a million times better in terms of footage than being hung off a helicopter. Um, when we actually th sort of got the footage and we thought maybe we should look into this commercially, back then there was a list of six people on the commercial register. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, I could be number seven. If you look at how many people are commercially registered now, it's, uh, well, I think it's over a thousand, isn't it, just in the UK? So it's just tons and tons of people. But that's how far back we are anyway. So. So, 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 Wayne, I think you can probably beat 2014 in the CC3D from our conversations. CC3D, luxury, when I was that uh, <laughs> lad. Yeah. No, I... I I tracked it back and I was trying to, I was trying to find out the sort of ignition point to how I got to looking for. And I think back in 2011, um, I got a Christmas present of a coaxial helicopter. So I wouldn't say I was from a heli background because a coaxial helicopter with counter rotating props is not a proper heli. And it was an inside one and it was frightening and it smashed up a lot, but I came up quite independently with the idea of like, this would be cool to put a camera on it. And when I started researching this, I stumbled upon one of David Winnishall's uh, videos on a tricopter, one of the real early ones, Tricopter Through the Forest. And when yeah. I looked at that, it was about you buy these helicopter gyros and you have this bizarre mix on the radio. And I didn't know what a helicopter gyro was or what a mix on a radio was or anything because my RC knowledge was, was nothing at all. But it just so happened that um, a few months later, he released another video about using the original KK board. And, and back then, like David had built his own, but they just started becoming commercially available cheap from Chinese vendors. So back in February of 2012, um, I found David's excellent page where he said, I built it out of this and these are all the parts. And I just started buying them, which included um, 10 by 10 pine wood from B&Q that you nice. saw and put together. Yeah. and cable ties and dt750 motors, motors uh and the kkk and i had to borrow didn't didn't have a radio i didn't i didn't know because typically if if i don't know if you guys have noticed this but if anybody sees you flying something they're like oh how much is one of those where'd you get it and do you get everything with it do you get the controller and everything and you're like no and back then i thought it, it, everything went together and you have no you buy it separately and you get this receiver thing and you plug it in so i eventually put this thing together and attempted to fly it in my kitchen and i don't know if you noticed the original tricopters they were like this big so that was probably a bad decision also i borrowed a radio from a friend which is like 40 megahertz or something i don't know where he got it from and i didn't know about channel maps or where to plug them in so i just plugged everything in and I generally tried to just move sticks until I, I could work out a response from something. And mm -hmm. aside from hitting myself in the face twice from like, what's this button do? It reverses the throttle. <laughs> um, yeah, I eventually got a little hop. And um, after that point, it, it was a case of starting buying things for it. So I was like buying FPV bits. The goggles took me ages to get because I was getting everything from first person view in the UK and they were out of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I slowly built this thing together and I flew it line of sight for quite a long time, several months. And um, I remember back then I had a, an MX-5 and I had to put the roof down 
to go to B&Q to buy pine wood in 3.8 meter lengths. <laughs> so, cause I was going through so many legs. I literally come back and, and pre-cut them all ready. Cause every day I'd go out and fly it and come back in like pieces in a bag and have to rebuild it. Cause it was so bad. Um, and it took me months and months before I got to the stage where I could actually fly four batteries around without crashing. I was so pleased just to get it in the air, but the KK one was an interesting board. Um, you had to flash it with a, a special little tool. Yeah. And, um, no screen. It, it was no, no screen. You had, um, little pots that you turned around with a screwdriver and this was just to alter the gains. There was no concept yep. of a tune. It was about gains. It's like, <laughs> it's shaking too fast. If you turn the screwdriver, it'll shake a bit slower. And I, I remember n- I never had the situation with the KK1 where I could let go of the sticks and it look at it hover. I would always have to hold the sticks in a curious direction just for it to do something. But just the fact that I managed to get this thing in the air and managed to fly it around was just mind-boggling a, to a me. A huge accomplishment with the KK1. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. So, Andy, what about you? What was your first experiences in the hobby with a multi-rotor side? Because you've been flying for a long time as well, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so 1988 was when I first started flying fixed wing. Um, and that was from, C- I, know, I know it was 1988 because that's the year the movie Short Circuit 2 was released, where I saw there's a, <laughs> there's a scene in Short Circuit 2 where they're flying these model planes in the middle of a city, believe it or not. Uh, I don't know if any of you can remember it, but uh, I saw that. And then the year later, I I saved up. And so we probably took in that 1989 when I actually started flying. Um, But uh, to to get into multi-rotors, about uh, 2010, I bought a, it it was from Hobby King, a a Fly Barless Collective Pitch Micro Helicopter and uh, I learned, I actually learned to fly it on a sim, something like Real Flight or probably something earlier than that. And uh, I, I learned 3D and everything like that. And then I, I, when I, when it came to the helicopter, it was identical. I was amazed that so I sort of taught myself um, like the basics because I think that's really, if you're getting into quadcopters, that's where it. If you come from Halley's, I think it helps a lot, especially the line of sight stuff, you know, which is very, I, I think it's very important. Um, so 2010 would have been the collective pitch helicopter. And then 2011 would have, uh, I actually 20, my first, it wasn't a multi-rotor experience. It was FPV experience. Um, I, I didn't know anything about um, like how FPV worked and, uh, Hubson bought out the H107, uh, not the H107D, uh, the the Spyhawk. Imagine calling something a Spyhawk <laughs> these days. <laughs> how how naive it all was back then. Yeah, yeah. So I bought that and absolutely loved it. And funnily enough, that that's one of, one of the way reasons my YouTube channel started is because uh, Bruce, RC Model Reviews. Uh, uh, he gave it a really bad review, but of course, at the time, he he was doing all the DIY stuff. So I guess when a 
uh, it was all ready to go. You got the plane, you got the controller, it had a screen in the middle, you got everything. And uh, I think he just didn't like that you could just go into it. I actually bought it from Maplins as well. So, you know, <laughs> I did I did have the, the, you know, 25 years of credentials of flying planes, though. So uh, it was just to, to see to, if I got the FPV thing, because th this is a problem that still exists today. You know, people will say if you if you've done a fixed wing line of sight or Halley's without a camera, for some reason, your uh, uh, my first reaction was to dismiss. Oh, I don't know. Camera's not gonna add anything, which of course is completely wrong. Yeah. So, so I went from that. So we're talking 2011 for the Spyhawk, 2012 for the H. Uh, 107D. So this is all sort of ready to fly stuff. My first, uh, if if we want to talk retro stuff, I bought a KK2 board from uh, Hobby King with a 450 size multi rotor. Um, I then built a flame wheel, uh, as most people do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it and it went uh, and then funnily enough, it I, I went to micros because these um, micro controllers came out. Uh, anyone might remember Alien Wii boards, uh, brush yeah. and get them really small. Uh, and cameras started that, to, to get. That's small. how you and I met, isn't it? You I I you, you 3D printed me, I, me a frame. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. You pinged me and said, "Can you 3D print me a frame?" That's how you and I met back then. So that must be four or five years ago. Uh, that or was it longer. Uh, probably been about 2013 by that oh, point. Gosh. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, a long time. Yeah, long time ago. But uh, yeah. And Tony, what about you? When did you uh, start this whole? Were you flying before the whole multi rotor thing? No, I wasn't a geek until 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your first experience like? Um, if you're uh, multi rotors. Multi Are you allowed to say it on air? What? Are you allowed to say it on air, Tony? What? <laughs> Come on, what, Frank? Well, I just I've I've heard stories of your my first thing. I was I remember being I remember being drunk once and seeing <laughs> I was drunk drinking and watching telly no YouTube and I saw who I think was Boris B flying over the top of trees and things like that and i was like i want to do that i need to do that and the first thing i went out and done is bought the completely the wrong thing which i bought a phantom one <laughs> <laughs> not the yeah. right fast it's not, enough it's not the wrong thing i if you know well, it was the wrong thing to fly over trees and do upside down stuff like he was doing at the time but it was oh, the, he was doing it oh he wasn't doing it with the phantom okay no 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 so yeah. I went and bought a Phantom One and um, stuck all the FPV gear on it, and was flying that, and I absolutely loved it. Bought goggles and thought I was flying, you know, but obviously no, because you're just pushing it along the sky, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Um, bought that. I bought the second and the third, um, 
And then I remember contacting someone online and asking him to build me a quad. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I wish I knew the guy's name. I don't even know where he was from. He was up from like up north or something. I don't know. He sent me a, a I sent him money, he bought me a Tranus and set me up a not a QAV two fifty. What's before that? Black, uh, blackout. Yes. Yeah, so what's the copy of that? Uh, ZMR. ZMR, sorry, ZMR. Yeah, had one of them and just went out every day, just going like this up and down off the ground, basically. For I don't know, it took me six months to learn how to fly, and I was oh, it's just that, that's pretty decent. It took me two years to learn how to fly fixed wings. So. It was it was horrible, but I I loved I loved it. When, you know when I got the knack of it, and then. Um, Metal Danny said, go and sit in the middle of a field one day and just take it on acro. And I went and done that and loved it. Absolutely loved it. So, yeah, 2013. So that's really interesting. So a lot of us all came into it because for me, I was flying a little bit of fixed wing, then did the – in fact, you can just see behind me that thing there is actually the tail rotor of an aligned T-Rex 500 – which I, I can't part with. That little red thing is, you know, one of those key oh, rings yeah, that, says, um, that says remove before flight. Yeah, it's yeah. one of them little jobs. And uh, behind me over my shoulder are two 450s. And they, um, they, I loved helicopters. The noise they make, fantastic. But for those of you that have done helis, you'll know that if anything slightly goes wrong, it basically just destroys itself completely and you have to spend another 12 hours putting the head back together. And then... Around uh, 2012-ish, 2011-2012, watching all that same David Windersell stuff, uh, and he, he's got a lot to answer for, hasn't he? A lot of us are in this yes. hobby because of him. Yeah. What a star he was. Uh, watching this tricopter thing, and it, back in the early days, I don't know if some of you remember, but the very first ones he did were using a swash mix for a, for a – uh, the 120 degree swash mix for a, a helicopter with three individual gyros on each arm to try and counteract any oscillation. And I was watching that and I, I nearly, nearly pulled the trigger and bought one, bought all the bits because I had things like the, the gyros from the helis and then um, got a little indoor. Well, it wasn't an indoor. It was a Hubsan, very one of the small Hubsan models. Um, and tried to fly it and thought, oh, my God, this is so easy. Because compared to a helicopter, which is like trying to balance a plate on a stick, oh. right, um, the, the multi-rotor, you could take your fingers off the sticks and it didn't immediately kill itself within 30 milliseconds of you letting go of the sticks. I thought, this is easy. And then my first ever quad was about 2013, and it was Chris at Armitan, who was on RC groups at the time. Bob, Bobby Pine, I think his name was on RC groups, and he was offering to build quads for people. I had no idea what way to build in a quad. It all looked far too complicated. So a KK, I've still got it behind me, KK 2.0 board, uh, repurposed airplane motors that weren't really for quads, but it was the only ones that would fit. Uh, ESCs that had Simon K flashed onto them. Do you remember yeah, all remember doing that? that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got a set of four in the drawer. <laughs> uh, that actually worked okay but you had to have the, the to, to to program them you had to peel the corner back yeah. and you had to have a some kind of flasher i can't remember what it's called now it's um, all the tool in the end but there was a guy online who was doing that in the uk you'd send him your your escs and he'd flash them and send them back that to was you. it 
and then um and it was on a CN aluminium cnc frame and I absolutely loved it. And unfortunately I just fell in love and, and the helicopters just went to the side because I could take all the, the multi-rotors to the field. And the worst I would do is snap a prop or two. And to fix the prop or two was a 10 second job rather than a whole, a two nights at home rebuilding and resetting up the head from scratch. Um, but, but the, the interest it's really interesting that you guys have the same experience. Cause if you think that was only eight years ago, where we were doing all this bespoke wacky stuff with stuff that kind of all, almost didn't work. We had CC3D, we had MultiWii. Do you remember MultiWii? And, and for those of you that don't remember, it isn't some kind of weird sex thing. It's just, it, 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 was, it was a board. It, it can be. It can be, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Andy. Bless I you. just had to LDO it up a little bit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the multi, well, what it actually was, was um, the Wii controllers that had the gyroscopes and accelerometers. Back then, you couldn't actually buy those things. So what somebody did was they took the board out of a... Um, a Wii controller and added some extra bits onto it. And that then became the flight controller. And it was called the multi-Wii, uh, which is where the name comes from, which is weird to think that back in those days, you would buy a really expensive piece of technology like a Wii game system and then immediately crack open one of the controllers. So you could build a flight controller that <laughs> works kind of ish. Uh, but to, to kind of go back to how far we've come, just to kind of finish this little bit off, Wayne, you were talking to me the other day about how you went back and tried to fly one of those early quads with a KK board and what it was like. Do you want to just tell that story? Because it just kind of brings to light everything we're talking about. Well, I did. And I'm I'm a real sentimental idiot. So I've still got my original. It's not quite original. I've still got my tricopter. It's got the KK2 in it now. But I thought I, I had such good memories of flying it because it's, it's a big beast. It's got these massive props. It goes a boop, 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 boop noise. And it's sort of, I remember it being really smooth. But I attempted to fly it. And it was like trying to trying to fly a bag of nails around. It was awful. It was all over the place. It was shaky. Um, the KK2 has a screen on it, which I thought was quite clever. But could I remember how to program it and get it <laughs> flying? So I was fighting all the way around the field. And but it, it's just the illustration of now you can pretty much chuck everything together. And the flight controller is so good. It's been so advanced that it will fly really smoothly. And just back then we were so pleased that if we were just there. And we were seeing, and it was like magic. And just the fact you could go around the field and, you know, maybe not crash, even if you did, you're like, yay, I got this far. Um, that, that's what it was all about. But if you, if you try and go back and fly something very early, very early, it, it's really bad. That said, I mean, I've, got, I've still got my ZMR250 with my original uh, NASA board in. And uh, I, I've managed after several months to get that tuned. And that still flies fairly smoothly, uh, albeit a bit clunky and heavy. But, yeah. Rose, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, I look back at some of the, obviously, as you say, spoilt with the uh, CC3D, but look, even looking back at that, um, some of my early, I've still got some early videos on my channel, if you scroll way, way back of me flying uh, with the CC3D and just the, just the, the taming of iTerm uh, when things like the Naze 30 or uh, Naze 32 came along 
where you didn't basically every stick input you were putting in was trying to get it to stay level you know you could get the momentum going but then just stopping every other type of external factor throwing the quad around and that's where you didn't have time to do flips rolls and all the other you all of your concentration was on can i keep the horizon level with with you know my my field of view here uh it's it's so crazy and that jump from the CC3D to the Naze32, for me, that was such a massive jump. I don't think I've ever seen anything jump as big, or maybe there will, there won't be as big a jump ever again. It was such, such a huge thing when suddenly iTerm was a thing, and you could let go of the sticks, and it would just track where you where you left it. It was yeah, mm. what a moment. What I'll was just the, say one thing though, Lee. Just before you move on, yeah. what, one thing I wanted to do is just acknowledge the the level of innovation we had back then. If you look at the original KK board when it when it was first come out, it was um, Ralph who who put it together, which basically yep. collected a whole bunch of bits. And so I've put this together. He wrote in AVR assembly the code for four types of multi rotor you could do with it, and the, the fact that I think it was Alex in Paris developed the multi wheel. The fact he said. I'm going to rip that Wii controller apart and try and build it into a, a, a controller. Mm-hmm. It just blows oh, my mind. Do. The fact they were just coming up with this stuff is just amazing. And that's just progressed so much. Um, but I, I think um, the, the early pioneers had, uh, you know, we've got a lot to thank them for really to get us started. Unfortunately, unfortunately they're, they're not really around anymore, which is the sad thing, isn't it? No, although the legacy of multi-Wii that then went into base flight and carried on into beta flight. So there's still some of that code floating around might be in there. Yeah, well, I, I think I think there's probably the odd line or two still knocking around in, in beta flight, let's be honest, because beta flight is the great, 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 great grandson of multi-wee, isn't it? Oh, it's EMU yeah. flight now. What the hell is beta flight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's it. Well, yeah, that's there's, there's always the new kid on the block. And that that's the interesting one. I mean, going back to Curry's point, the, the, the whole thing about the software, I know when I did the NASI 32, I'm trying to remember when that was. Was that 2015-ish? Uh, no, before, the, before that. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was a little before that, but... Was it? Was it yeah, not, not by much. 2014, 2014 maybe. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about 2014, because I'm I'm with NJ. My I'll, my my first big series on YouTube that blew up was the Nazi 32 one or Naze 32, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> get, but but I did the videos because no because I was looking online and and trying to figure all this stuff out and the idea of flashing because until then. There'd been the CC3D that you had with OpenPilot, which actually OpenPilot was brilliant. I loved OpenPilot. It has a wizard that set, set everything up for you. Um, so anyone that used to come to me back in the day before NASI 32, NASI 32, whatever, um, used to say, I'm a new pilot, what do I build? I'd point them towards the CC3D because when they went through it, OpenPilot would do things like calibrate the radio, would actually talk them through setting up the flight modes. It was really good. And then the NASI 32 came along with this thing called Clean Flight, which you had to flash. Base, then, base Flight originally. Base base flight. Flight. I had well, Base Flight, yeah. Well, well, base well, this, flight. This, this, yeah I came to it just um, as the, the whole Base Flight, Clean Flight thing was uh, was happening. Is it worthwhile talking about that for those who missed it? Because there was a because the big the big thing from multi-wee to base flight and then base flight to clean flight was a massive hoo-ha back in the day. People were literally <laughs> threatening each other with being firebombed and stuff yeah, on our secrets. It, it got it way out of control. Bad. Oh, that's not yeah. happened since, has it? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, no drama anymore. 
No, no, we've all grown up. <laughs> but but I mean the original. Well, who did the bass flight? That was um, oh, what was his name? Time Cop. Time Cop. Time Cop. Time Cop. Yes. Who's completely, you know, using the PC term mental, yeah. as far well as I can figure out. I'm he, offended, he, Curry. He, he made an open source program, but. And it, he, basically, he did the conversion from MultiWii onto the um, the F1 processor that yeah, would go into port, so, so it would run thirty two. Yeah, it. so it would run much faster. But um, I, and I think the the story is Dominic Clifton tried to get involved in trying to improve the code and was trying. He was trying to you know do pull requests to get code in there. And Time Cop wasn't having it. He's like my project. No one does anything. So Dominic split into Clean Flight. And started doing things there, and this caused great offence to Time Cop. And I, I don't know if it still says it, but it had it on the base flight repository. If you look in GitHub, <laughs> it says something like, "This is available to everybody except people called Dominic Clifton." <laughs> in, in, in base flight, like you're not allowed to copy it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that was that was first first drama of many. It, yeah, and, and yeah, as, as Andy said, we haven't changed much, have we, as a hobby? Because I, I spoke to Dominic about that whole thing because Dominic was desperately trying to help because uh, the code base, because Dominic is like a, 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 a mad skills programmer, he was looking at the code base and because it had gone from 8 to 32-bit because multi-Wii was 8-bit, you know, so kind of ZX Spectrum, for those of you that are old enough that remember that kind of stuff, technology up to 32 bit you know the modern exciting age of the nazi 32 the code was still very clunky because it hadn't been cleaned so dominic as a programmer wanted to go through and clean the code up so it was easier to maintain and to update and to patch and add new functionality to and you're right time cop this and again this is all third hand so apologies to anybody if i'm getting any of this wrong but as far as i remember it dominic was trying to help and Timekit was like, no, I don't want you touching my toys. So Dominic created Clean Flight and then the clues in the name to create a clean code base that then could be used for future projects. And I think, you know, I think we, some people are mentioning in the comments at the moment that I think we've got a lot to thank Dominic for. I mean, he's kind of disappeared off off the face of the planet in terms of the hobby. He, he's made some stuff. And if you remember, he made the... The, the other big game changer in terms of flight controllers was one of his. It was the Seriously Pro F3. Mm. Do you remember that, mm. FP3? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had, had a few probably, of those. Probably the most cloned flight controller on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, I remember talking to him when he first made it, and he was like, oh, it's, uh, it's an STM F3 base flight, you know, flight controller. And, everyone, and I was thinking, we'll never use that power. <laughs> right and then and then he and then he said i think i'll get six months before it gets cloned in china and he got six weeks i was gonna say before the first weeks. clones came out yeah, yeah it was really fast and then there's still boards that use the same schema that come out now and that was probably as much well almost as much as a jump in terms of performance from what i recall as it was from the cc3d to the nazi 32 and mm. then we went f4 and then f7 and h7 and everything else but it just you know a, a, and the beta flight thing if you remember wasn't actually going to be when boris did it it wasn't meant to be a, a system that anyone used it was just him messing about with this we're trying to make it fly better so people could race with it yeah, yeah I mean, in the early days of Sorry, it, it was, yeah, it was his own sort of for his own agenda, really, to start with, and then he, he accidentally got some stuff very right, and uh, <laughs> then yeah. the fire started. I think not no, just, just that to... as well. I think as hobbyists, 
if there's something that may be better, not beta, we want it before it's actually officially released. And we're willing to set our copters on fire just to get that a little <laughs> bit better. So I think that's why beta flight also prevailed. So hands well, up, remember- anybody that actually had a multi-rotor burst into flames? Well, at, yeah. at a multi-rotor... Yeah, I, 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 I don't have enough fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some fires, yeah. yeah, yeah, had some yeah we've, had, we've had things go. Yeah, I've done a lot of fires. Does, does it does it matter if it's on Jack's desk or not? Does that count? <laughs> I, I I would say yes. Okay, then yes. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. I've, okay, I've, all right. I've got two quick funny stories. The first one was um, I, I'd done a few builds, so I figured, uh, you know, oh, I'll do I'll do a build tutorial because it, back then the, there wasn't many at all. I mean, obviously the, there's one created every day now. So um, my my first uh, build tutorial, I got like got everything ready and uh, I'd done everything. I I, I thought. I got everything right, and I got it on the, uh, the the camera going. I was like, right, last thing to do. And, and this was this was before I realised, you know, um, doing a continuity check or anything. And I just went, I just went, here we go. And the the video is finished. Plugged the battery in, and it just went boof. Like that. <laughs> I've got it on camera somewhere. I should bring that out. Um, the the second. One I've, I've mentioned on the show before, but it's why um, I've got fire extinguishers everywhere. Uh, if you ever if you ever do testing for any company, and this this was uh, I'm sure Dytone won't mind me saying it, but um, they sent me this uh, new model with this new thin EFC, and it was in the middle of summer. They just cut the grass, and uh, I, I was flying it around. And I got the the death roll, flip of death, whatever you want to call it. I just, ah, oh, desync. When I got to it, there was about probably uh, about five to ten square foot of grass on fire. <laughs> because uh, just, I think I might have to- told you, I- I've told this story so many times. Yeah. But anyways, ever since then, I, I, I it's actually in the court. I could, I could, I could probably. Well, I've got fire exting, I've got lipo fire extinguishers and uh, CO uh, CO2 fire extinguishers. Uh, so if if you ever want to do this, as, you know, testing, make sure you've got fire extinguishers. So that that's my story. Do, do you so, know there's there's sorry, just one one thing while we're on that subject of things when they transitioned. I actually had a comment. It was a couple of weeks ago now, on a very old video of mine, which was called Beta Flight Tuning and uh pid tuning and it was uh as as you'd expect it to be but uh the the comment that made me burst out laughing was someone had put this is clearly clean flight you idiot uh and of course the early base flight was you flashed it in clean in, in clean yeah. flight how you, how you got it across but it yeah, didn't, it didn't have the same configurator did it yeah exactly <laughs> 
so yeah, I, I did what I thought would be the best thing to do and just pin the comment. Let let the rest of the uh, lions go at him. <laughs> yeah, let, let leave it hanging out because the yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really interesting because if you think about all the stuff that we've done, it to me, I, I, and it's kind of interesting. I just see whether you guys feel the same. It feels longer than seven or eight years that we've really been does. doing the hobby. They're like dog years, aren't they? I think the thing's moving so quick. I think they really are. I, I, and it's just, you know, I, it, it was just really looking back and looking at the multi-week videos. And there's the apart from the fact that the video editing and everything was bloody horrible. And it's always the same when you do video content. I'm sure, Andy, you feel the same way. And, and Curry, you, do, you look back at your early videos and you kind of go, ooh, that audio <laughs> could have been better. Or there's always something you could have improved. But, it, but just I've, I've never known anything in my entire life develop and change that quickly in six years the only thing i can think of was the pc industry in the 90s which probably changed that fast but that's the only other thing i can even think of that's had that much innovation in such a small small mm. space the, the other interesting thing is is how people jumped on single trends and everybody did the same thing so uh, when it first started out everyone had a multi-rotor and then at some point everybody had a flame wheel f450 frame to fly around and yeah, then had, everybody yeah. had a zmr and it's like, oh, I've got a KK, and then it's gone to Nays 32, and it's like this jump, jump, jump. It's little, like everyone had a brushless gimbal at some point and, and tried flying yeah. with a GPS. Well, you, had, and... you had to have the newest thing, didn't you? So, yeah. Because it was better. And it's still the same now. It's oh, just that it. It, it, it's just the, the, the uh, increase is sort of – there was definitely a point where it slowed down. I kind of feel like it's hmm. – going up now though you know we've drone, got... Ra drone racer has a, a funny comment i just want to yeah you buy a new product it is out of date before getting it to fly yeah, <laughs> yeah it's better, right pride of place in, in uh, out here oh my god yeah, you, were the, you were the first x course in the in, in england <laughs> it wasn't me look at this <laughs> as well yeah i mean this is the this is frank in quad can it and who knows what we've got here as well for those that remember what is oh, this that's old school that is a dji 920 kv motor isn't it that is but what's this on it this this pack. oh that's balancing back in the day i thought a laser I, pen i thought you were covering up the logo just because you were embarrassed down here on the floor and the tricopters behind me i i can't speak did you have the flight did you have the flight controller to be the full version, MJ, or are you unwilling to comment? Because you could do that. Because that's the or, – or is that the full version? Because there's a lot of – That was the red one, version. wasn't it? The light one, and then you got the uh, the orange or yellow one, which was the better one, but you could flash it, couldn't you? All right, let's not talk about that. <laughs> the, draw, the, draw with that the draw with that was, was the GPS, really, because it was one of the first – that did a really good job with well and also a really bad job in some cases but the, when the gps did work it was the first time you kind of had the confidence to go a little further knowing you had a little bit of a safety net there so yeah. see i went way, down nothing ever came of them did it i went down the other route because of lee uh with the uh, arducopter so i got an apm was it two put two point something uh on my flame wheel this is and then uh went down the pixhawk route and uh so yeah we should give them a mention as well because i don't think we have and that that's a whole different set uh, skill set to learn all of that 
So, uh, yeah. It, it is. And if you want a smooth flying model, if you're not bothered about racing, but you just want to fly around and it to look silky smooth, think that um, the Pixhook and also things like Ardu Copter and Ardu Plane actually are just bloody great. And actually, now you can run it on, you don't have to run it on Pixhook. You can run That's it right. on Omnibus and stuff. Yeah. And still get the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah. Br oh, brilliant. So I'll tell that you, is, we're, I, we're that just, little hub stand needs an honourable mention as well. I know that got a lot of people into yeah. the hobby. Yeah, well, so I had flew yeah. around. Is that the H107? That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. The one that Andy talked about. Yeah, I had one yeah. of them. Yeah. At the Tiny yeah. Whoop event on Tuesday where I was doing all the live streaming that we were talking about last week, uh, someone brought along uh, an original Inductrix. And everyone was like, oh, nice. It flew so well. They yeah. did. They did. I've just been playing with that Mobula 6 one, which is like a, it's like the Inductrix, but the modern version. And they're just, they are so much fun. But because the problem is a lot of the newer ones have gone bigger and bigger and bigger. But going back to that really small size, you can just, you can fly through the like, you know, in, in between anything. It's fantastic. Um, so look, guys, I'm just conscious that we've been going for like 46 minutes. Um, and the other thing, there's a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the last 10 years in the hobby, which is, Brilliant. And thank you for doing that because that's really good. It's just, you know, when you, you kind of have your own experience and you kind of look back because it's kind of a document, the YouTube channel, you look back and it's kind of a diary of all the stuff and crap you were dealing with. And it's really fun to see that we all kind of seem to get pulled into this at about the same time and all have the same um, gray hair. But yeah. the but looking for I'm I'm I've also been thinking about what I'm interested in. I've had lots of chats with guys about what I'd love for the next three, four, five years, ideally, the, you know, the next decade that we've got in front of us in the hobby. And I, I just wanted to kind of go round and just talk a little bit about that, about what our hopes and aspirations are for the hobby in the 20s. And I'll, I'll kick us off because one of my friends um, is part of a, uh, a radio control flying club that's based up in Blackpool. And the membership's gone down from something like 180 to 13. So it's on it, uh, unfortunately, it's on its last legs. And he's um, he's a he's into FPV, multi rotors, foam wings, lots of things that lots of cl modern uh, clubs should be embracing. But uh, a lot of the, the the people that's at that club um, think that anything, unfortunately, uh, that isn't balsa and isn't glow or IC isn't real radio control. And I think that's part of the reason why that particular club uh, potentially could be struggling because they're not embracing the modern hobby. My hope for the next decade is that all of these amazing places that have got permission to fly open their doors to the rest of the hobby that isn't bothered about balsa wood or glow or ic so the one give us places to fly and also add all that that great thing that that kind of community stuff because half of the well a third of the fun i get out, the, out of this hobby is building the bloody stuff a third is flying it, and the other third is meeting people like you guys and hanging out and just having a bloody laugh. So, and unfortunately, unless you've got a club or somewhere where you can go where you're going to bump into people who have the same uh, interests as you, you're never going to have that, you know, laughing, joking, and and all that, you know, the, the round of applause when you make your first time round the lap. Those kind of things you're going to miss out on. So for me, I would say the fir first thing that I'm hoping is that the clubs wake up and embrace the modern hobby and get people involved. 
I don't think it'll be waking up, Lee. Uh, that generation just needs to die off, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we'll we'll make these clubs, and then FPV will be embraced. That's that'll be what will happen. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, both of you. Actually, it's it's very much exactly that thing of a lot of the clubs that are established don't want to let the new technologies in. Um, and that generation is getting older and they're not, I mean, I've got the same problem where I am now. I've been in this particular area where I live for about, uh, five, six years now. And the first thing I did when I got here was I found three clubs and all three of them, let's bear in mind, I wasn't even talking multi-rotors. I went to them and said, Oh, great. You guys are here. Um, do you do heli uh, allow helicopters? And all three of them were a no, it was just planes and, and that's it. And mm -hmm. anything with, uh, you know, spinning blades and that isn't as you say as you say if it's not ic if it's not balsa wood and you know who remembers doping wings do you remember, remember doping wings with tissue yeah <laughs> and now we're going back but but yeah that, that's that's definitely a thing for me for the future absolutely they've got to start because as lee and i chat a little bit about this earlier but it's that thing of you can't be the people who are complaining uh, on one hand and then on the other hand you're not allowing the younger people are coming with these new technologies and helping them be responsible and safe. You, you know, you've got to embrace a bit of this. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a pretty big one for me for sure. The weird thing is, is that every FPV pilot of every age that I, and I know that I've talked to you uh, individually about this, but I've probably taken a dozen guys through the FPV stuff, letting them have a go at FPV on, uh, on fixed wing. Um, and they've all been line of sight pilots. And the youngest one was 17. The oldest one was 73, I think he was. Um, and with the exception of one of those guys, everyone, when they finished the, the, finished the flight, and it was a ride along, right? I didn't let them fly, but they, they were looking out the camera as I was flying around. At the end of the flight, kind of pulled the goggles up and went, wow. I didn't realize we could do that. And they've loved it. And they've actually gone on to have their own FPV equipment and started to get into it. And I think and I think in some cases, some of these clubs are dismissing the new technology without even trying it out. Exactly. Yeah. I always, I whenever I fly, I've always got a second set of goggles with me for that exact reason. If anyone's inquisitive, put those on, come and have a look. And they're always beaming with smiles. Yeah. I've actually I, I started using my, so, sorry, Curry, go for it. No, I was just going to say, I think one of the, the crucial things together about getting these generations to understand one another is just to put them together. I remember several times at the mini air shows where you've had the very traditional uh, flight line with fixed wing guys and the drone racers, the next field. Once they get together and talk to one another, they <laughs> understand that the technologies they're dealing with is actually very similar. And that there was there's generally a, a really big misconception from the fixed wing guys that it's just a computer flying the, the quad and there's no building involved and you're buying it off the shelf. And there's a misconception from the drone guys that, you know, these are a bunch of sandal wearing guys that are just like flying in circles and, and not interest anything. And once they get together, they find all the commonality between themselves. And if they just did that before they decided what was allowed to go on their club, that'd be a lot better. It's very easy to sit in your, your club and say, Oh, we don't want any of this lark without actually getting the guys in and seeing what they do and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, may- maybe now some of these clubs are getting down to 13 members, you know, not wanting to reiterate what Andy was uh, was, <laughs> was talking about. But maybe it is time for those those clubs that are getting smaller for us to try and get more involved. I know with my friend getting involved with this particular club, I've said to him, I'm quite happy to get involved and promote it. Because I'm sure if you cast a net around Blackpool and Southport and places like that to, to you know, offer... Uh, pilots a chance just somewhere to fly because these days finding p- places to fly is a pain in the ass where mm. people won't you know kind of come up and annoy you or or get in your way or uh, you know dog walkers in particular because any nice day where you get a good day think right i'll go into the middle of nowhere so i can fly and get some flying footage it seems like there's a dog walker who always seems he was kind of hiding behind the bushes until i get the thing in the air and i'm flying and then suddenly I'll out the cut I'll be like, right, okay, we have to bring everything down. And I know some people, when I talk about this on the YouTube channel, get really upset and say, well, hang on a minute, you've got just as much right to be there. And while that is kind of true, um, if something happened and that drone hit the lady with the dog, the local paper is not going to say what a stupid woman she was for walking where somebody was flying a multi-rotor. It's going to be devil-worshipping drone pilot killed old lady walking Fido. So, you know, it's just easier for me not to do it. But, yeah. um, but but just having somewhere to fly, I'd love to have more places around here that I could just go and hang out with. And every time I meet somebody that's doing something different that I don't understand and they explain it to me, then usually I'll think, ah, that's really, I've never tried that. I'll have a go. And nine times out of 10, it's another part of the hobby that I'll get into, like radio controlled cars. I know, Andy, you've been doing stuff with that as well. I got that little Emacs interceptor thing and it was brilliant. Yeah, they're great. I think think ground-based FPV is the way I would describe it because it's not just limited to cars. You've got bikes. uh, There's these crawlers. Uh, We had one at the Makerspace. Uh, amazing what those uh, those things can do and uh, yeah I think do you know what I think RC cars when it comes to FPV is about at 2011 where we were and uh, you know now now, now they've got this tech like the, the Emacs interceptor first ready to ready to run it's called it in the RC well, first ready-to-run FPV car, I mean, you know, it to, for it to take 2019 or 2020 for that. So I, I think especially and then add on top all of the legislation that you have to mm. jump through to get in the air, uh, I, I can see this year being big for that kind of stuff. And it's it's I didn't think it'd be enjoyable um but uh yeah it it really is great and you can you can do stuff with rc cars fpv that you if you were to do on the road would either cost you a lot of money or end up (laughs) in prison Uh, as as lee knows with his fabulous uh amazing mx5 that that's all i can think about when i go and visit with lee (laughs) Uh, but 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 these cars that they're great um yeah so yeah andrew i've I've got to ask um andrew because andrew's our very careful concise thinker of of the group (laughs) what what, what are your your thoughts for the for the future what what would you like for the future what would i like because yeah i mean i would like the frequency hopping spread spectrum revolution in fpv i mean the the difference that made from going from a pegboard and kind of everyone having to kind of fanny about around a pegboard and work out who can fly what channel and all that kind of stuff like on 
cars or planes and everything, when when that revolution happened with control, all of a sudden it's a much wider hobby. It's so much easier to do events. It's so much easier to just have casual meetups. It makes like you know, and that's the sort of point where we're getting where the where the regulations are now making it so much more oppressive. You don't want to just kind of go out and you know with a few of you to the middle of nowhere and try and have a fly. You want to be able to go to a club field. You want to go to a, a an organized event where you know you're allowed to fly. And it's it's hard to have that many people flying in that kind of situation. Um, and it requires a lot of someone telling people what they should do. And that's annoying and don't you don't want to do that too much. But with uh, uh with you know something like the the TBS cloud stuff that's coming through some of maybe a, a next couple generations of the DJI um, HD FPV stuff, maybe we'll see more of this kind of thing coming together where it's that same. You know, you don't think about, oh, can I turn my transmitter on uh, mm. with your radio? You know, is, is this Tyrannus going to put something out there? Yeah. You don't have to worry about that unless someone's flying Spectrum. It would be lovely just plugging your motor rotor in and just putting your goggles on and yeah. just going, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's Even interesting because you, you can't. Even if it says too many people are flying, you need to wait. Mm. Like if we could just have that. Here, here's what I wrote down in advance, Frank. I wrote down some way of locking in FPV channels without bleed, being able to fly with friends instead of spending 20 minutes sorting out channels or getting wiped <laughs> out because someone has gone too far away or too close. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. I don't know how many people have gone and, and met to fly with friends, but it seems all so casual and stuff on the videos, but we always miss out that first 30 minutes yeah, of everyone. standing around. Like, no, hang on, no, fly further away and I'll see you again. And then you, you like this big panic when you're flying out there and someone says, I'm turning on, and you're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> well, like, oh, I thought everyone was on 200. And you're like, no. <laughs> you see, this, no is what, this is what contradicts the old school clubs that won't let the new members in. They like to sit around talking for 45 mm. minutes before they fly for two. <laughs> yeah, with, a, with a whiteboard. I'd say there's one last thing. I'm just conscious we're coming up to the hour. The other thing that I would like to see is for us to rip up the frequency bands and channels in FPV because we know what band we have. Uh, the fact the fact that we have band F is a legacy thing from the days of Fat Shark. Uh, bands A, B, the Boscan bands, all that. It, it, we've inherited all these different bands, and all of them are not really perfect. They don't have the right separation to avoid interference with each other. So you have to try and do your best. Race band isn't optimal because everything is equidistantly spaced, so you get harmonics on other channels. I did a video about that with Menace. Um, I would like somebody to just come up with with the frequencies that we have available what are the maximum number of pilots that we can get with the proper separation so that we can all fly with less of this chimping and messing about that would be i would be over the moon with that i've asked menace to try and come up with it and i think he's working on it but maybe have you know six we could probably get away with six pilots with the optimum separation in the UK and maybe eight pilots in other parts of the world where they have those extra little bits either side of the band. Uh, and let's just get away with the, th I don't want a 37 channel bloody system. <laughs> I Just give me six or seven. So me and my mate, you know, when I'm at the field, I, we can go, I'm on one, you're on six, you're on four. Yeah. Great. I'll go for three. Brilliant. Done. Bang. We're flying. I think that would make a lot of difference. All the events now, pretty much, as far as I can tell, are running on the IMD um, sets of channels, and that that is a mix of race band and fat shark. And you, 
you can set them up as your favorites so that you can swap between them so there's there's kind of ways around it but yeah if you there's there's still kind of this translation thing because you know some fat sharks are on the same as some race bands so you know some channels have two names and then some people are talking about it in megahertz and, and there's all that kind of thing but you know if, if you buy the irc tramp you can change channel power output without ever turning a quad on which is why it's my number i'm not endorsed by them i wish i was <laughs> uh yeah. they've a little, little uh nfc thing you put your phone yeah, up wand. to it no you don't need the wand my oh, phone works down again is what no, i can say no, no it worked mine works every time Mine have been rubbish well Although, I, I like frank's idea of when you you just turn on and your your vtx will say oh these channels yeah. are busy uh i'll go to this one and then it will sync in with your goggles or it says too many people flying you'll have to wait yeah. something like there, that so you don't have system, to think about it there's a system that does that but it requires you to all have it and i'm not going to talk it mention and it's called dji <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay and, when it, Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm just conscious of the time. I, no I'm just we've been going over the hour, and on that note, we'll probably call it uh, time for tonight. Thank you for everyone for watching. Thank you for everyone in the comments. We haven't talked an awful lot about the comments, but I've been keeping an eye on all the bits and pieces. So thank you to everyone. Some brilliant stuff in there. So uh, we'll say good night. So uh, good night from Frank. Bye. <laughs> good night from NJ. See you next time. Good night from Andy RC. Tata. Good night from Curry. Goodbye. <laughs> and good night from Tony. Bonjour. I'm just going to do one shout out from the chat, and that is to Darn Own One. We're thinking about you, bruv. So keep keep going, mate. Keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Sending lots of love. And uh, good yep. night from me, Painless360. Thank you for Jack for letting me take the seat tonight. I believe there are going to be other guest uh, kind of hosts in the future week or two. Um, and thank you to everybody that's been involved. It's been really good fun. So I'll say goodbye. And as always, happy flying. Bye. Telemetry lost. I was doing an impression of Frank then. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.